Welcome, Sojourners. You have found yourself a cozy place here at Sojourners Awake. I'm Jonathan, and this is our production of The Bookish and the Brave. Like you, the Sojourners are on a mission. They faced conflict, and sometimes even danger. And in this most recent episode, the bookends walk into the Shadow Monastery and meet no one else than Lord Basile himself. Yes, the Sojourners have finally had a face-to-face confrontation with their arch-nemesis. Unfortunately, Vaughn is taken out of the fight very quickly, as you will soon see. But don't worry, I don't think this is the end of his story. With the Black Lotus still as a prize, between the non-Kwai monks, the Sojourners, and Lord Basile, who will claim it today? And so for now, our story continues. The non-Kwai monks settled into their beds. Years of service had withered their bodies in the shadow realm, but tonight, after 77 years, they journeyed on a long trip. After exhaling a final breath awake, their spirits traveled along with the entire shadow monastery from the shadow realm into Bonsaro. They return home. 300 years ago, their leader, Manuza, attempted to secure his position as ruler of the Regency Mountain Pass and planted the Black Lotus. But he did not survive. A will of the dark powers forced the monks to dwell into the realm beyond this world, courted by ghosts and stalked by lichens. This only made them stronger as they waited for the opportunity to once again revive their leader. Now in the month of Cedar, three bookends and an ally stalk up the walls of this fabled monastery. And with the intent to secure the holy bloom for themselves. But before they arrive, Lord Basile and his elven lady, Starblood, approach and infiltrate. For a good hour, the sojourners talk with who they thought was Father Ragu of the non Kwai. Suddenly, Sterling heard an old familiar voice creak through the lips of the quiet monk. Go to the end of the road. And before their eyes, Lord Basile dropped his disguise and commanded Sterling to do his bidding. Sterling brushed off the invasion into his mind. Lord Basile, now understanding the young druid had not been idle in his practice, determined to shrink his mind into an imbecile, a powerful, obedient imbecile. But the stargazer saw this coming days ago. So it has been foretold and in this flash of insight saved his life. And once again, he pushed back on the power that a long time ago brought him back to life. And so for now, our story continues. After the explosion, Sterling finds himself flat on his back, dazed, but still alive. The dust slowly starts to settle as Sterling takes stock of his surroundings. He's face down on the ground, and his mind has started to unravel. He had forgotten how he ended up on the floor. As he glances around the swirling mist, they've covered him, making him less visible, and his sea glass is intermittently flickering the sign of the archer. 
As his mind slowly starts to knit itself back together again, the last few days flash through his mind as he stirs on the ground. The long trip they were on, they had gone through some tough trials, coughing and sickness and horrible weather. He liked being wet underwater, but rain is like his body couldn't make up its mind. Is he wet? Is he dry? And it certainly wasn't as much fun as being beneath the waves. Still, though, Ascendedon was very thorough leading them here, and he was a great addition to the party, not bad for new help. And he loves it when Hawkins becomes a giant. Such a fun trick, and that voice. They keep feeling to ask him about that strange shadow that's falling around, and what exactly happened in the abyss. And of course, Vaughn continues to excel at everything he puts his hand to. I, I swear he's part shadow. And the way he walked to the mo and talked to the monks just, just made so much sense. That must be how a leader talks. Kondo-san always spoke as if his word was law and no one ever questioned it. But up here on the surface, these words have guile. Everyone speaks with hidden motives. Words have to be carefully used as they are easily cast out, but so hard to reel back in. Will he ever speak as well as Vaughn or Ascendaton? He makes a mental note to have Ascendaton teach him how to speak properly. But that thought snaps him back to the present. That's right, his friends, they're in this room. And someone else too. These last few minutes have seemed like seconds. They were talking to a monk and his sixth sense was itching at him. Whoever it was or whatever it was that has been looking after him was trying to tell him that something was amiss. But he was told to stay out of it, not to talk. He manages to chuckle as his ribs flare with pain as he thinks about. Uh, and he's glad that his protector didn't stay out of it. He had seemed to black out for a second as he was reliving the whole scenario in slow motion. Thank the stars they had come to his aid, and he shudders as he remembers that spell the Lord Basile used on him. That could have ended badly. And that's when the ringing in his ears stops. Clarity dawns on him like how the stars appear at dusk, slowly and sluggishly at first, as his brain begins to wake up. The archer starts to glow a little brighter giving him strength as he stands shakily to his feet. His sea glass had been flickering like a candle that had been burned too long, but now, as he was upright, all the thoughts that had led him to this moment fall into place, like when he looks up at the North Star and the constellations in the night sky. Instant clarity. Lord Basile is here. He is in this room. The author of his terror, the unknown voice in his deepest, darkest nightmare, is in the room and he had just attacked him so with a growl in his lips and a quarter stand in his hand he throws his head back and lets out a feral yell as he rushes back into this fight with one thought on his mind what do you say to the one that has nothing but you your friends and the whole plane of bonzarel's downfall on his mind you say not today Sojourners, prepare for attack. Lord Basile whirls his cape around, seeing Hawkins in the corner with his shadow, and then giant Hawkins descend into the corner of the room, the shadow clinging to him. He seems to have escaped. He turns around and sees Ascendaton run towards the door. Pay him no mind. He looks over to see Sterling. If you will not submit, then you will watch them suffer. And he goes towards Vaughn. And he makes his strike 
against the young monk. With a 17 against Vaughn's armor class of 18, doing 21 psychic damage, he then calls out and says, Father, avenge me! Lightning begins to crash and the ground cracks open beneath Vaughn. This warlock of Grapson calls out to his father, his infernal father, and hurls Vaughn through hell. Because he failed to strike Vaughn's armor class of 18, Vaughn instinctively rips off the backpack, throwing it to the side. Each of you know who is inside this backpack. Vaughn, able to take only half the damage, then loses concentration, feels his feet slip between the cracks of hell, and descends out of your sight. Lord Basile now shaking and sweating. Eyes dart left and right, looks for a means of escape. Sterling, it is your turn. So if he's looking at Lord Basile, what means of escape does he have? Is it only the door that Ascendaton went out of? That is the physical way, yes. Uh, the physical way. Okay. Um, so what Sterling would do uh, with his, um, he would, yeah, he's he's on the mission to attack um, with the archer on his chest, and he is going to attack with his thorn whip um, to pull Basile close to him. He doesn't want him leaving his sight. Um, he is going to attack with a oh, seven, so a 13. His armor class is 12. Oh, okay. Very good. Uh, so he does... Uh, eight damage pulls him closer towards him and as he comes towards him his um, star sea glass um, fizzes and a bolt of light comes out of it and hits him for seven points of damage and he's pulled 10 feet towards him hawkins it is your from the shadows hawkins is going to pull out from his bag the uh, bottle of, I have it written in my inventory, the bottle of unstable polymorph. Um, this is a sandy substance given to him by um, Old Man Whiskers. He's going to try to sneak up behind Lord Basile and complete a circle around him. That's the instructions for how it's supposed to work. Draw a circle of sand around a creature and it will maybe polymorph maybe. That's what he's going to try to do. <laughs> Very good. Sterling, you whip Lord Basile, pull him closer to you, his heels dragging in. And as his heels scrape against the stone floor, you see smoke, sulfur, and, and sparks begin to fly. Hawkins, you stomp over out of the shadows. This is the seven half foot tall gnome, wiry and gangly. You stand over Lord Basile, your arms waving, and you dump the contents of the potion. All right, it, you it, you will make a spellcasting attack then. That will okay. be an Arcana check. Okay. And you will have to get a, let's say a 15 or higher. Okay. I got a natural 20, so 24. Oh, what? <laughs> no. Yes. Father, avenge me. Hawkins, Com quickly completing this circle, 
you start to see Lord Basile's legs turn into sand where there once was fire and smoke. His knees begin to turn into particles of sand and then drift down as a castle. It is being built up from the ground. His body, his torso be, turns into sand and then descends into the ground, building into a small little sand castle. Sterling, you're still holding on tightly, the whip still gripping you. And then the whip suddenly gives way from the tension as you rip through this sand particle of Lord Basile's body. Hawkins, hey, it worked. <laughs> Suddenly, the room goes quiet. The backpack begins to stir. Ascendantin, how do you proceed? Hearing things suddenly go quiet, I run back to the door from the lobby and open it and peek in and see the scene there. And I guess just in time to see the sand drifting down. And... I don't know if you want me to do uh, an arcana check to try and figure out what just happened or if I can intuit what's happened. You see Sterling and Hawkins standing over a sandcastle with a ritualistic circle of sand drawn around it. Vaughn is nowhere in the room. What is that smell in the air? It smells like brimstone. Where is Vaughn? Never mind Vaughn. Where did he go? Where did, where did Basile go? We have to end it. We have to end this now. I, I don't know. He didn't come by me out there. Right now, Lord Basile is this sandcastle right here. Uh, I hope we don't need him to get Vaughn back out, but maybe we could contain the sandcastle, come up with some way to... I don't know how long this uh, polymorph is going to last. Maybe we should come up with a plan on how to bind him when he, when he comes back. Perhaps we can separate the sand. Well, it- I, I don't know if that'll kill him or not, and if we need him to get Vaughn back... I'm, I'm afraid to burn a bridge. Well thought, well thought. Uh, well, we have a blanket here. Perhaps we could put it into the blanket. Sounds good to me. So take it. We, we were in a, it was like a bedroom, correct? Indeed. Yep. So I go over to the blankets on one of the beds and pull it down to the floor and begin scooping, <laughs> scooping the sand. Hopefully rearranging the particles of sand won't <laughs> have him reappear with his head down where his feet should be. <laughs> but uh, it'll serve him right. Uh, so yeah, just start scooping sand on, trying to be careful not to let too much go down into the cracks of the floor. As you are doing this, you hear footsteps coming down the corridor. Soon, a monk stands in the doorway and addresses you, shocked and surprised. Uh, I'm sorry, Father Ragu, is he here? Uh, No, I think you just missed him. He left through, he went back out that... The monk acknowledges you immediately, nods, and turns away. Yes, of course. Sterling's just in the corner like, wow. Does anyone have any rope? Help me tie this together. Uh, I have rope, but... I'm not that. My fingers are too. I'm used to dealing with seaweed, not 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 rope. Um, I can handle the knots. I just need some rope. Oh, here you go. Right, so I take the rope and bind the corners together, and uh, I guess sling it over my shoulder. All right, great game, everybody. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Freaking Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> 
walk into the next room, pick up the Black Lotus, head back to the monastery. That's right. (laughs) You still have to get that, supposedly. I don't know. So much has changed. Okay. Time passes on with Vaughn nowhere to be seen. The only thing remaining of him is a scorch mark from where the ground opened up. The backpack rustles and out pops Aramante. She rustles over to you and asks, Is everything okay? Where's Papa? Hello, dear one. I, I don't know exactly, but I, I think I think your father is gone. Not, gone. Not, not gone, gone, but just gone. Do you know where he went? I look at the other two. Well, there's a chance he's uh, somewhere in the abyss. Um, I've, oh. I've been there myself, uh, made it back mostly intact. I'm sure he'll be just fine, um, but I don't know when exactly. But you've got your uncles here. We'll take good care of you. Are we going to wait for him to come back? I, I don't know. Uh, the man who sent him away is in that blanket over there on uh, Ascenditon's shoulder sort of sort of in the blanket that um, makes sense when when he comes when when he comes back into himself uh we might be able to convince him to help us get your father back okay thank you uncle hawkins 20 minutes have passed by since lord basile disappeared Maybe while we're uh, waiting for Lord Basile to, uh, you know, reappear, we could try to go grab some of our things. Um, it looks like Father Ragu is not going to be stopping us from uh, being armed in here. Might I suggest we find a place to put this, someplace we can secure? Uh, I would hate for him to return to his normal form while we are trying to sneak around. You can tell that Sterling doesn't want to let that bag out of his sight. He is sticking by it. Just kind of tagging along, watching these guys. He didn't see what happened to Vaughn. Uh, he is just kind of so focused on right now. Perhaps it would be best to keep him with us. Well, if you feel anything wiggling around in that bag, you just go ahead and have a seat on it. That sounds excellent, Master Hawkins. And Master Sterling, if you wouldn't mind staying behind me to monitor in case you see something I can't. You've got it, Ascension. Master Hawkins, lead on. Hawkins will lead back toward the entrance, um, trying to remember the path that they were led by Father Egu. Leave our weapons. Well, our weapons were left, I guess, with monks by the hmm. entrance. Um, gotcha. So you intend to go get your weapons? Yeah. All right. Uh, make a survival check. You are going for a 12 or higher. It's an 11. Hawkins leads the party back towards the entrance. After surveying a series of closets and locks, Hawkins discovers the location of their weapons. As you place your hand on your crossbow, you hear the sound of footsteps, and soon four monks with weapons drawn enter into the chamber. One of them points towards you and says, That's the one! They killed Father Ragu. Whoa, 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 gentlemen, gentlemen. 
We have killed no one. If you go into the room we just came from, you'll find no body. We found his body. Where? Back in his room. He's been slain in his sleep. Slain how? You should know. Do you see weapons upon us? And the Sendaton holds his hands up. Make a persuasion check. Uh, it's a 21 total. Sterling starts taking notes. One of the younger monks steps forward and puts her daggers down. It's true. Father Ragu was the one that admitted them. They didn't have time to slay him. There must be another. The older monk shouts, There were four. Where is the other of your party? He had to go to the little monk's room. Go search. <laughs> is the shadow of the moon overhead or not? <laughs> the oldest monk points to two and says, Both of you, go search the lavatory. You can hear a pin drop in the room. Finally, the older monk sheathes his weapon, walks over to you, Hawkins, squints his eyes and asks, I'm sorry, are you okay? Uh, yes. You seem familiar. Oh, you mean how tall I am? No, it's your shadow. It's not conducive to your size. Yeah, I, I picked up that shadow uh, in another realm. Which realm? The abyss. A demon. The younger monk speaks up. I told you, it was not a shadow. It is a demon. Uh, d did you have, were, were, did any other travelers come here today? None that we know of. We uh, expected to run into a couple of others that we heard were ahead of us on the path. Not friends. Enemies. Yeah. Do you think they could be here? I don't know where else they might have gone. I'm pretty sure their heart was set on the Black Lotus. I don't think they would have gone a different place. Everyone who comes here is looking for the Black Lotus. Everyone. The younger monk speaks up. She looks towards the door and says, they should have been back by now. 30 minutes has passed since Basile disappeared. That settles it. We're all going to the lavatory. You three, go in front and prove to me your friend was there. Let's go. I'm going to assume that we don't take our weapons with us. Uh, Hawkins will try. He'll turn back to the closet, looking at them to see if anyone tries to stop him. The older monk stops to say something, but the younger monk places her hand on his forearm and shakes her head. The older monk sighs and says, Very well, but stay in front. Hawkins will grab um, Vaughn's gear as well. The four of you walk towards the lavatory. As you walk through the chamber, the monks suddenly stop with their hands upraised. Standing before you at the stair steps are two statues with glowing eyes. The monks issue the passphrase, Rumat. The eyes diminish their glow, and the monks wave that it is safe to pass on. When you walk into the training room, you smell sweet incense in the air. You see mats upon the floor and a few weapons scattered across the floor. And there you find the two monks that had left you, and they lie upon the floor fast asleep. As if looking for answers, the older and the younger monk begin to search the room, 
and check the bodies of their comrades. I think, uh, I think those enemies of ours that came ahead might have found a way in. They're alive, but I cannot wake them. One of the witches has powerful magic. She, she causes us to be very sick along the way here. A witch? She's, she's elfin. She's, she's slightly older. Uh, she was traveling with the, another guy that, and as he glances to the, the blanket on Sinderton's backpack, on his back, and his, uh, yeah, she was traveling with someone who's very dangerous, and I imagine she is too. Would you take a look at the bodies? Yes, Sterling will get down on his hands and knees and start giving the body a once-over. No, I, I mean Father Raguse. Oh. Yes, I, I will go. The older monk leads you, Sterling, into Father Ragu's quarters. He pulls aside the beaded curtains, and the room is still smelling strongly of incense. Along the brick wall, there is a distinct architectural crack in the structure. And there on the bed lies Father Ragu. Father Ragu lies there, clearly dead, but peacefully, as if he died in his sleep. His hands are neatly folded upon his chest, but along his neck is a clear surgical cut. When you look up upon the wall near the bed, you see a picture, a mosaic of a monk of the Nonquai order planting a black seed within the ground. The older monk stands near the desk in the drawer and motions for you to examine Father Ragu. You assess that Father Ragu was asleep when his throat was cut, that none of the blood has left his body, but his breath certainly has. When you stand up and place your hand upon the wall, especially near the crack, you notice the powerful, sweet-smelling incense drifts towards the wall, and in combination with your touch, the brick slides to the right and reveals a secret doorway. The older monk in the room gasps and asks, how did you know about that? I was, I just merely looked at this. This this seemed out of place. No one knew about that passageway. You had to have had some hand in his death. No, I, I mean, my hands don't make those surgical slices, mate. These, these are healing hands. So. Even I saw the crack in the wall. The old monk looks back at Ascendaton in anger and disbelief, and then turns his attention to Sterling. He nods towards the doorway and asks, Do you know where that goes? This is the first time I've been here. I'm, 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 I'm turned all kinds of around. Um, it goes into the secret office of Manusa. Our leader, who is dead, and Father Ragu, who is also now dead. There's, there's no crazy brains in jars, is there? In there, last time I found a secret room, there was brains in jars. He throws his hands upon your chest and slams you up against the wall. What do you know? What do you know? If you ask my friends, not much. Um, if you ask me, I, I know very little. Um, I'm book smart, but about this place, this is the first time I've been here. Uh, uh, Cinderton, uh, you, you're the scholar in this place, right? Just hot potato. He puts yeah. a spear towards your neck, Ascendaton, holding back. You just stay out of this. I want answers from this one. I think your tongue, your tongue is guile. Your tongue is a charm, a spell. I saw what you did to my men. I want to hear from this one. Well, I mean, His tongue we, is loose. Well, who I mean, sent you? 
we're 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 bookends from from Boltop Library. Um, what? He but but we're not here as a weapon and says you want the Black Lotus. You're here just like everyone else. No you no want no to no take no. it for yourself. No, we 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 wanted to stop stop the evil ones from getting it. And I, I think we've done it. I mean, you are the evil done. ones. Manuza is great, and those who would take his life source, the flower that he planted, would only take him from the hell that he is now in. Do you realize where he is? Well, not really. As I said, I don't know much about this place. I mean, I'm learning quite a lot. I appreciate you telling me. Angered at not receiving answers or support, he throws the spear upon the ground and walks out of the room, making sure to brush his shoulder against the shoulder of Ascendaton. Ascendaton merely steps back and lets him pass. Hawkins, the younger monk, is standing with you in the room. She wags her head. I, I don't get it. They're sleeping, but it's almost as if they're dead. Who could have done this? She looks around the room. Are they still here? Could they still do this? Uh, I, I think what I can do is kneel down and cast Detect Thoughts on one of the sleepers. Try and read the thoughts of the person that's asleep. Maybe regather some of what he experienced. Ascendaton walks back into the room, and you kneel before the sleeping bodies. Ascendaton puts the blanket down and looks meaningfully at Sterling, like, keep an eye on this. He puts his hands on the head of the nearest sleeper, leans forward and touches his forehead to the sleeper's forehead, and allows the magic to pour from him into the one who is sleeping, trying to detect his thoughts. The younger monk leans over to you, Hawkins. What is he doing? I've seen him do some kind of mind-reading type magic before. I'm guessing it's something along those lines. I, I think the spell just kind of takes a while. Uh, we're probably not going to be able to see anything. In fact, uh, we should probably get back to looking around. There's, there's still somebody wandering around here with powerful magic. Okay. If you trust him. I do. Forty minutes has passed. So Sterling, uh, he heard Ascendaton say, hey, keep an eye on him, but he's interested in the corpse still. He's seeing the serene face and he's thinking about the dead. And the last time he spent time with people who cared about the dead, he was with Yasbro uh, inside the... And so he thinks about Yasbro and he thinks about the scrolls that was given to him. And he remembers that one of them was called Animate the Dead. <laughs> As Sterling unfurls the scroll, he hears an infernal voice, like the screeching of a violin. Ah! Uh, oh, that, that's creepy, but Yasra was a little bit creepy, but... Oh, I think I can read this now. Man, he really was a helpful friend teaching me to read Infernal. Um, let's see, I think this one says animate. Hey, 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 Mr. Monk, Mr. Monk, uh, you wanted to know what happened to this guy. I think I have a way. Might be quite sacrilegious. Um, ah, never mind him. Let's just get on with this. And he's going to start reading in Infernal, the scroll. As Sterling traces the Infernal script with his fingers, streaks of red ink drip down from the backside of the paper and onto the floor. As the drops make contact on the ground, they erupt into sizzling sparks that fizz into the air and disappear. 
the sweet smell of sage is ushered out through the doorway and replaced by the briny smell of salted fire and roasting flesh. Father Ragu's eyes flutter open. And so for now, our story concludes. Every story comes to an ending, so for now we must conclude. Thank you for listening, Sojourners. Your attention will not go unrewarded, and we look forward to continuing this adventure. If you enjoy this background music and ambiance, visit Tabletop Audio. Find them for your tabletop games at www.tabletopaudio.com. And take the time to sojourn with us. Leave a rating and review on your favorite podcasting platform. This helps other sojourners find us along their path. But however you choose to sojourn with us, as always, may your story continue. <laughs>